And may these moments we have together now looking at these scriptures from John do that. Direct us, guide us, change us. Use my lips and voice for that purpose, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every week, find the clicker. (laughs) Pray in the light. Prayer is something that most people participate in in some way or another. From across religious beliefs, most religions teach some form of prayer. As Christians, what would you say is the most frequent tone and topic of your prayer life? Is it other people and their situations? Is it yourself? Is it a balance of both? Is it other things, praying for miracles? What do you come to when you pray? What? And what I want to focus on this morning is when we pray in the light, and what I mean by that, the light in the, in the way that John describes Jesus as the light that we see here in John 3 and other places, especially the writings of John. We see then how God sees us, how God sees you. Because light is more than the, the physical reality or the physical blessing that we have because there is a star close enough to our planet to bring light and warmth so we can see our way, so we can walk and handle our food and you know, watch the television and all those other things we do with our eyes because there's light. We also understand that light also means understanding. Light also means revealing or sometimes exposing. So that's what we're going to see this morning as we look at these familiar words of John from this particular angle, seeing how God sees you praying in the light. First of all, see God's love in your world. See God's love in your world. And I had outlines and they're in my bag. (laughs) Thank you, Cynthia. It should be on my chair on the side pocket. Okay, thank you. At least I didn't leave them at the other church this time. Pray in the light. See God's love in your world. Now listen again to to these two verses, but, but listen for this word as you hear this. Listen for the word world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. (laughs) 
seeing God's love in your world is, first of all, recognizing that in this particular passage, the world isn't brought up as something that, um, oh, that's deep trouble, that's worldliness. You have to you know, find a different way than the way of the world. And here's God just boldly saying through, through John, God loves the world. Wow. God so loved the world. John 3.16 was the first verse that I memorized as a boy. As, as kids in Sunday school, we were taught to, to memorize specific verses, you know. So we had the book, we had the chapter and the verse and what it says. And so as I hear those words, those familiar words, the first part of John 3.16, for God so loved the world, in my mind's eye, I would kind of think of, hey, God's over here and there's planet Earth. And God so loved that, like, like I'm apart from it. And yet, I'm in the world too. It is the world, our world, my world. God loves my world. The the life that I have. He doesn't love necessarily the choices that I'm making, the decisions that I'm making within the context of my world, but... He is loving all of this, knowing that it's broken. Knowing that this planet Earth and the way the people on it function and live and carry out their lives is filled with trouble, is filled with bad decisions, is filled with oppression and sadness because of horrible choices. And yet God loves This world, this broken, ugly place, you love this, God? Did you see the news last night? Did you see what happened? You see what's happening? There's war, there's oppression, there's starvation, there's anger, there's hatred in the streets, there's crime, and you love this, God? Oh, come on, for God so loved that world? Yes, that's the good news. He's coming into it such as it is. He's coming into it broken as it is. And he's coming to you such as you are. Broken as you are. That's the message of the gospel. For God so loved the world. The depth of his love. So in, this, in these verses, 16 and 17, we see that the world is loved by God, the world is not condemned, and the world is saved by Christ. Wow, what a great message. Let's find more. Pray in the light. See that belief conquers condemnation. Now in the 18th verse, listen again for the word believe. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Believe. Accept. Acknowledge. uh, Admit. The connection that we have or can have between this God who strangely but wonderfully enough 
has chosen to love this broken world and my broken world. And the way to to receive that love, to experience that love, to, to participate in that love is to believe that it's true. We just celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Skeptics and atheists will try to say, ah, that didn't even happen. It's just a fable. It's a fairy tale. Why do people chase after that stuff? You know, if you were to make up a story about the the birth of the Son of God, you wouldn't choose the story we find in Matthew and Luke. You you wouldn't choose to to say, well, if God's going to send his son, he's going to send him, how's he going to do it? Through a virgin birth? Come on. Through to send him into, and and that virgin's kind of a poor young woman, and and she's going to have to give birth in some barn because she was traveling with her soon-to-be husband, or now husband, I guess, but, but, and, and then she, because of political oppression by the Romans who sent them on this ridiculous journey to their ancestry to be registered so they can charge them even more taxes than they already are, and all that went with it. And he's going to announce this news to the poorest of the poor called shepherds. And You see, you wouldn't create a story like that if you were trying to say, God out there somewhere sent his son and here's how he was born. You can't make this up. The story is true. Did it happen on December 25th? Not necessarily, but I like that we put it there because that's the time of the year. This is the time of year when the days are shortest, at least in the northern hemisphere. The the daylight is the shortest, and it's cold up here in the northeast, and it's dark. And all of a sudden, here comes light, light from heaven, and the days begin to get longer, and the light begins to increase. We have this living metaphor every 25th of December about a spiritual reality. The coming of the Son of God, He came when things were the darkest and the coldest, and He brought life life, and He brought warmth and light to our hearts and to our lives, and that light then grows and grows into the time of the spring. Isn't that beautiful to think of it that way? Now, was He really born that day? I don't know. I can make a pretty good case that it was from some studies that I have from people, historians who are a lot smarter than me, and I can make a pretty good case that he wasn't from another bunch of historians who were you know, smarter than I am. So the fact that we celebrated it all is good and helpful. Believe that, see that belief conquers condemnation. So what are we believing in? Well, we are believing Something that is not true. In other words, we are accepting the truth and defeating the lie. Believe that you are not condemned. You are not condemned. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned. This is difficult for many of us, especially if you've experienced um, various forms of, of abuse in your life and or rejection 
and, and, and painful relationships where you are honest and open with someone and then they throw it back in your face or they ridicule you or they use it for gossip to others or they, they hold it over you or they keep it between you. You are condemned because you were honest. You are condemned because you, you said something you know, openly to someone that you trusted. So how can I trust God? Isn't God going to do the same thing? Isn't God going to condemn me if I admit my pain, if I admit my failures, if I admit my faults? No, people condemn, but God doesn't do that. And that's the good news that we are believing, not just that Jesus was actually born and lived the life that he lived and preached what he preached and healed who he healed and cast the demons out that he cast out and went to the cross willingly and died on that cross and then rose again. That is what we are believing in, but then also the meaning behind it, the driving of the meaning behind it goes back to the first line of John 3.16, because God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to do and to be all of that. So our belief can conquer the condemning voice in our hearts. We come into the light and we find that we are loved by God and we are not condemned. And that's hard. And we'll touch a little on, on a moment again. We'll touch on this again in a moment of how that can continue and needs to continue and how it should continue. That, that openness in our life between God and then even with others. Pray in the light. See what darkness has done. In the 19th through the 21st verse, listen now for the word light. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people who love darkness, people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that, it may, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Light. As I alluded to a moment ago, it's more than just what we do with our eyes. It is understanding. It's truth, exposure. Light has come into the world, your world, but how has the world received it? And that includes me. I'm, again, part of the world. Light is initially ignored. Light is feared. Light is hated even. Why? Because exposure is scary. Because vulnerability is frightening because we don't want to be exposed for what we really are and then condemned for being that. That's the lie that the darkness tells us to hold us there. Oh, don't step out there. That's dangerous. Don't step out there. You're going to be exposed. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be condemned. And the gospel of Jesus Christ says completely the opposite. No, step into the light. But 
I'm ugly, I'm broken, I'm hurt. Yep, and I know all about it, and I see you there, and I love you there. That's the power of the light. My favorite metaphor for this connection with God through Christ and the light, Jesus as light in us, is a house. My, my heart, God's house. We talk about the Spirit living in us. Now, when we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that I can characterize it as letting God see what's in me, but in my heart of hearts, I know He already knows anyway. <laughs> but He wants me to acknowledge that I see it and that He sees it, and it's okay. I still love you. So I invite him into my home. All right, Jesus, come on in. Here's the living room. I tried to straighten it up a little bit, but it's not too, it's not too good. It's okay. Now, we don't have the latest and greatest, but the remote's over there somewhere. If you want to turn something on, go for it. Oh, don't go to that channel, Jesus, but okay. Let's, let's you know, sit down, relax, and I get you some coffee, you know. I'm going to host Jesus in my living room. And after a while... Jesus says, can I see your bathroom? Says, oh, yeah, wait, just let me check. Okay, yeah, you can go in there too. All right, Jesus hangs out a little bit more, we get more comfortable with him. And, um, well, can I, can I have a, share a meal with you? Okay, yeah, let, let's, let's sit down at the table and have a meal. Let me help you with the meal in the kitchen. Oh, don't go in the kitchen. Don't go where I put things together. Don't go where I feed myself and see what I feed myself on. No, I want to see that. And you trust him there. And in each time you let him into these other rooms that represent different aspects of our life. How we live, what we feed ourselves on, who we fellowship with around the table. We find that he doesn't condemn us there. He didn't condemn me when he walked in the living room. He didn't condemn me when I shared the meal around the table. He didn't condemn me when he saw what I'm feeding on. He may not didn't like it, and I knew he didn't like it, or, but he didn't reject me because of it. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe you can do a little better than that. Okay, let's work on that. I still love you. And he wants to see... Upstairs in the bedroom. Oh, not that place. That's really a mess. Well, let's go there too. And it never stops. And I still have corner closets and attic spaces and, you know, dungy, mildew-infested basement locations that the light and truth of God still needs to enter into so I can experience once again the fact and the truth that he doesn't reject me for what he sees. He still loves me and doesn't condemn me when I am honest and open with him and with myself. That's what praying in the light is all about. And it's a continuous process to learn again and again and again that I am loved, I am not condemned. I am loved, I am not condemned. Believe it, believe it. Believe it. Receive it, receive it, receive it. And then lastly, this is from another writing of John, the, the book or the epistle of 1 John. 
he has the same theme of light here in the first chapter of 1 John. I'm going to pick it up at the fifth verse. Listen for the word walk. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Note in this passage, we, us, not just me and Jesus. And, and, and that's where that metaphor, like all metaphors, they are limited. They break down. Okay? So it is my personal house he's coming into. But what, what Jesus does then, if I can kind of carry that metaphor a little further, Jesus starts inviting in everybody else too. <laughs> it's okay, Paul. Let your wife go into that room too. And your kids and your friends and those wonderful people from Bushville Community Church, they're welcome into your home, aren't they? Are they welcome to see who you are, who you really are? Because, because here's the truth of it. When, when you spend time with people, sooner or later, you're going to see them tested in a way that you don't normally have when you come together on a Sunday morning, sit and worship and sing and pray, and that's wonderful, it's good. Or you have a meal together, that's wonderful and good. But the more time you spend with one another, sooner or later, and it's sometimes it's usually just a little nuance, a little hint of something that, oh, I didn't expect them to react that way, or I was surprised that they did. Maybe you don't speak that, but you think that, and hopefully you're going to extend grace to that person. Because what's happening, the light is coming on because we are walking together. We fellowship, we find fellowship together as we walk together in the light. So praying in the light means see who to walk with. Who are you walking with? Who are you connecting with? Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in anyone? Hopefully the people around you and that are that are part of, of this fellowship here in Bushkill are among those that you're trusting and walking with. The tempter wants us to isolate. The tempter wants us to go back into the darkness, find the deepest, darkest closet, and stay there. Because you're not supposed to trust anybody. It's a fearful place out there. But let me repeat these words from John in 1 John. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know what that means? Not only is praying in the light mean for myself, or for yourselves, and we need to do that to be honest and open with God. It also means to be honest and open with one another. We need that. You need that. I need that. And when you are honest and open with other people and then find that like Jesus, you're not, you, you are not condemned there, but you are loved there, that's a bond that nothing else in this world can give. In fact, nothing in this world can give because it comes straight from the heart of God.
So God has exposed in me something that's not usually brought out there in public, but I find the courage to share it in a one-on-one conversation with one of you as my friend. And when you welcome that, and you support and encourage me in that, and maybe you even say, yeah, Paul, I've been through that before, and, and, and I understand. That develops a bond. We need friendship like that. That's what the church needs to be. And in many ways, we already are, but it can always grow deeper. It can always get better. Because what's the alternative? Hide it. Keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody. They're going to hate you. They won't love you. They won't trust you. They won't respect you. Just stuff it away somewhere where no one sees it. And God invites us to say, no, just just bring it out in the light. It's okay. Find that you're loved there by God. Find that you're loved there by others. And then we can walk together. And I used this before as, as, as another good metaphor. Um, the, the Christian walk always has a limp. I got a bad knee. I used to run, some of you know, every, you know, a couple days a week for exercise. And I can't do that anymore. I literally can't do it anymore. And I have a brace on here. And sometimes you guys see me limping. You know, that changed me. I'm not ashamed of that. It happened. Cartilage from a basketball injury 40 years ago. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. If I try and hide it, if I pretend it's not there, it's not going to work, it's not going to get any better. And some of you have bad knees, and yeah, I know what that's like, Pastor Paul, that's okay. Matters of the heart are the same way. They hurt us. We walk with a limp. And we should not be ashamed of the limp. By our wounds we are healed, is the promise of Scripture. When I am weak, then I am strong, is the promise of Scripture. In weakness, the glory of God comes in and shines the brightest. And so as we find the courage, and I know this isn't easy, and I know it doesn't happen overnight, and it's not something that you're going to you know, announce to the whole church on a Sunday morning necessarily. In fact, usually it shouldn't happen there. But one-to-one, as relationships are built and trust is established, we give of ourselves to other people. Yeah, I hurt. And I see you walking with a limp. And I got a limp too. And you know what? Two people limping can walk better together, can't they? We can help each other. Let's be that church in 2023. The church that prays in the light. Father, thank you for this moment. And I pray that you would take this moment and put a marker in our hearts along the path of today, today, January 1, 2023, that something from what you revealed in us, what your light has revealed, would stick with us when we walk out of this building today. Something that we know we need to to change, 
something new we need to establish, something from the past we need to, to fix, whatever that might be or other things, mark that in our path. Let us remember it. And let us as a church be a people who walk in the light together. In Jesus' name, amen.